Hello, everyone. This is Molly from the Casually Molly Podcast, and I just wanted to introduce you to my friends at the Natty Cat. This one is for you cool cats and kittens who can't get enough of wordplay and fur babies. The Natty Cat's natural soy candles feature inventive scent combinations and glass jars with clever kitties on the labels. Hair purred with locally sourced natural soy wax, the Natty Cat's candles woodwicks create a cozy fireside crackling sound, perfect for curling up on the couch. Remember, for all of your candle and scented oil needs, please visit our friends at the Natty Cat either on Facebook or Instagram. Have you ever wanted to get your shit together? Scrap it, look through the lens and capture it. But first world problems are getting you down. Disabled, salty, need an app to fix that frown. <laughs> well, you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. Well, she drops another casual line. You're tuned into Casually Molly with Molly and Bergie. Okay, welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie. Just remember that we have a new episode every Sunday on audio and video. So just remember to casually subscribe. But enough about that for right now. We are sitting here with St. Louis-based comedian, Will O'Donnell. It's like we didn't talk before earlier. But <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Molly. Showbiz. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I uh, Like I said, I was so excited that you agreed to come on. Um, I know I say this a lot to people, but I really do admire you as a comedian. So oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, you're very welcome. Um, I I'm, I'm been excited getting to know you. I know that I started. I remember like kind of seeing you more at the Funny Bone and Backdoor and whatnot. But one of my favorite stories about Will O'Donnell was a couple. We were talking about the helium competition just earlier, and a couple of years ago. Will and I, during comedy competition season, for those of you who aren't aware, we've got, before COVID happened, <laughs> there used to be a bunch, but um, we were at Helium together and you and I were in the first round. And an embarrassing story about me was I went to go do my set and I fell on stage. I remember that. Yes. I and remember I, that now. <laughs> I forgot all about it until you just said this. Oh, yeah. you know, so did everybody else. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> but uh, why, I, why I bring this up was I was like, oh, my gosh. So I got up and I, I recovered because I got up and I remember saying, like, I'm a theater major. Shit happens. And everybody, like, busted out laughing. We, like, went along and it was fine. Um, but I remember I came out afterwards and I think you were sitting with a mutual friend of ours, Andy Hamilton. And Will was so nice. He goes, oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. I have so much respect for you right now for getting up. And I was like, oh, well, I'm so embarrassed. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you did that. And I, uh, I just remember I was like, wow, that was really nice of Will to say. You, <laughs> you fell down and then the room got totally quiet. And you walk up to the microphone and I was sitting in the back of the room going, address it, address it, address it, address it, address it. Like the only thing you could have done wrong was to just walk up to the microphone and start doing your joke. Mm -hmm. You would have just bombed the whole time. Right. But you had a line. You're like, I'm a theater major. It's okay. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> laughed. And then you just moved on. <laughs> and that's so, like, that's the story of my life. So it's all right. I handled it well. Oh, well, 
thank you. I uh, I remember your set too because Will, you're known for making jokes about Quick Trip. So I am for yes. better or for worse. I am sort of known for that. Yeah. I was about to say, do you get approached now? Do you get recognized at the Quick Trip? Do they know about your stand-up routine? No, but. <laughs> At least once a week, someone mentions me in Quick Trip, and they send me stuff from Quick Trip. I mean, I'll take it. I would like some money from Quick Trip at some point. But. Well, yeah. If you guys are from Quick Trip that are watching, please sponsor Will at some point. Make him your spokesperson. He's like, he's making, now it's just, like I said, you're affiliated with it. So anytime I, I so. get gas. I, I, I got to get a good, I got to get that joke on tape. Yes. With no F-bombs, no curse words, and just send it to him and say, hey. Uh, I'll do your corporate party or whatever. Give me some money or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's what happens, though. I um I did an interview with Ray Hartman over at yeah. um, the Big Five Fifty, and he's I love Ray. If yeah. Ray, if you're listening, you're wonderful. But it was so funny because when you start doing radio and all that, they're like, we just need you to have a clean set, and I yeah. I'm not that I'm like necessarily, and like, you know, I'm not really like a, like a dirty comedian per se, but I do drop the F-bomb a bunch. So, sure. oh, it's just like, you're like, oh my gosh, I think about all the times I was like told to be clean, be clean. And then I go into my tapes and I'm like, oh, this is so clean. And then, you, you know. It, and it's, yeah, one or two F-bombs in there. I do it all the time. Like yeah. I, fortunately, I did a set, I did a show where I had to be completely clean. Mm -hmm. And so I had a couple of recordings of everything was minus all the curse words and all the sexual references. And I'm the same way. I'm like 95% clean, but yeah. I'll talk about anything and I will curse whenever I want. But to me, it's not, no, I don't think anyone thinks of me as being a dirty comic or like pushing the boundaries. Yeah. But there's clean and then there's like radio clean. Exactly. You know? like, <laughs> so. It sounds good to me. Well, when you send in that clip, let me know. Thanks. <laughs> But uh, it's kind of nice too, Will. You're the first in-person interview I've had in a while. So like, I'm so happy to have human contact and look at a person in person. I appreciate it. I think you're the first human I've spoken to today besides my wife. So. Oh, well, thanks. Okay. I appreciate it. What a nice caliber. Will's wife and then me. And there was Chris back there, That's but true. he's hidden. I, so. I completely <laughs> forgot about Chris. <laughs> Just talked to him 45 seconds ago and he's completely out of mind. Oh, um, you know. Chris, very, how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, you guys don't have headphones on, so, so you, it's you can't okay. hear. So my, my opinion isn't uh, important whatsoever. But <laughs> for those of you listening at home, uh, thank you for supporting me. So, yes, Chris says thank you for supporting for those of you who didn't hear him. But <laughs> what I will talk to you about, Will, we always bring everybody on kind of like a casual background of yourself. So you are from a small town in Missouri. That's correct. I'm okay. from a town called Louisiana, Missouri. Oh, I actually know about that. Yeah, so, you've been cool. up that way mm -hmm. um, with, with Jimmy and stuff. He's from Foley, Foley which is right down the road. Um, yeah. Uh, there aren't too many people from a smaller town than me than Jimmy. Yeah. But Jimmy's one of them. Uh, yes. <laughs> so Foley is really small. Yes. Yeah, 3,000 people, Louisiana. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up there with five brothers. And uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm as far as the St. Louis region. Mm -hmm. I, at least I got out of, uh, I got out of Pike County. So I was about to say, so what, <laughs> yes. And to give a background, when Will is talking about Foley, Missouri, he's not joking. Like Foley is super small. When Jimmy and I went on our first date, I was like, oh, like I've been to small towns before. Like, what is it? Like 3000 people. And he goes, try 160. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. But one I, stop sign. Yeah. One stop sign. By the abandoned bar, you know, <laughs> and then like turn right across the railroad tracks. To mm -hmm. some like 
little houses that flood every other year, and that's the whole town. That was like, so that, the abandoned bar thing, we drove by Bonus what they called Cove. Foley Bar. And Foley Bar, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we should go there. And Jimmy's like, well, it's not open anymore, but the sign still says we're open. So nice. I don't know. Maybe something's Some going to happen. Painting a permanent open sign seems ill-advised. Yes. You know, you know, no big deal. But I guess the big question is, do you guys have a Dollar General? We do. We have a new Dollar General, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. um, our Walmart dried up and blew away. It moved to Bowling Green. Um, oh. Our town is so small that it couldn't support a Walmart. Oh, man. Or McDonald's. McDonald's dried up and blew away. Even McDonald's left? We got, we got, oh, and Pizza Hut, too. So, Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll see. Let COVID run its course, and there may be no businesses left in the whole town. Just oh, my God. The state prison outside town employing everyone, and everyone's going to work for the state prison or the state school. That's oh, the only man. jobs available. <laughs> Welcome to the small town life. Yeah. <laughs> That's America, though, in a couple of years. You yeah. Have, there's going to be one company. It's Amazon. It's the only company in the entire universe. And then the government. You can work for the government or Amazon, and that's it. <laughs> All Isn't live performances are permanently canceled. Yeah, speaking of live performances, you're still kind of like keeping them up a little bit, yeah. though, with your parrot show. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, I couldn't stand the lockdown. And so the minute it lifted, I just started a show. Mm -hmm. Like this bar, the bars opened on Monday and by Wednesday I had a show going. Yeah. And it's the first show I've ever really produced. Because oh. like I just focus on performing. I just want to perform. I don't want to mess with shows. Yeah. But the only way to get on stage was to make a show. So I started the show at Parrot's. And it's been going strong for like 10 or 12 weeks now. We're going to pause it for a couple of weeks because coronavirus cases seem to be surging in St. Yeah. Charles County right now. So mm -hmm. pump the brakes for about two or three weeks and then hopefully the wave will pass. Yes. And then we'll do it again. Yeah. The, I don't know. That's my, uh, my, my attitude on it. It's like the threat's never going to be zero. Mm -hmm. But like it's temporarily spiking. So it's like, all right, this is an easy choice to just shut it down for a couple of weeks. Once it gets back down to an acceptable level of risk... I agree. No, it's definitely a crazy time. I feel like everything's kind of been seeing in 2020 now. Like everybody's got all these wow. different focuses, all these different opinions. You see it on Facebook. So at least what I like what you're doing is you are trying to bring some kind of like laughter and things to the situation. And has the audience been receptive to it? Yeah, it's been real cool. Like um, that bar, it has, an, it has a real stage mm -hmm. with lighting and that yeah. makes a big difference. If you're going to start a show at a bar... Start one in a bar that already has a PA and a stage and lighting. Like, why, you know. Totally. Then you can just walk in and do the show. And um, they're pretty good about um, watching comedy. They'll be quiet. They'll pay attention. They'll laugh. It's a pretty good room for comedy, so. That's good. No, that's, I actually love bar shows because I feel like, like some people, like I used to produce a few things in theater where I did, well, I did a comedy show at a wine bar and I produced that. But I, I get what you're saying when you're like, have the PA there and have the mic there already. Right. Yeah, because like uh, the wine bar was wonderful and I, I loved them to death. But I luckily had like my PA system from other things I used. And the difference is though I had a wireless mic, but I had to tell all the people I had assigned to the show. I was like, listen, you can only move a certain amount. You can't do, so it kind of, it, it can work. And like people who are probably watching who do produce shows probably are like, oh yeah, I've made it work before, but it doesn't, I've also produced shows where you do have everything ready to go. So I understand the convenience of it. I, <laughs> do all comics or at least most comics hate wireless mics? 
So me personally, I do just because, so I bought one. And again, I was like in my early twenties when I did this show, but I bought them at micro center just cause they were cheap. It was like yeah. $20 for the box. I was like, Oh, you can't beat that. You know, yeah, you can definitely, but beat you that. can beat it. So then I went <laughs> so, to micro center, brought my receipt and then I bought a regular one after yeah. that. So, yeah, I don't know. They just seem to be like, they just, they always seem to cause problems. The wireless yeah. mics, they're always a problem. And then for some reason they all have the, power button on the damn microphone yes so like just holding the microphone turns it off yeah you would think mm -hmm. someone by now would have been like hey let's put the button somewhere besides <laughs> where you put your fingers you know just put it on the bottom or put it out of the way put a little no mine was just like one of those click and presses kind of thing and so if you're like getting into the moment without even realizing it you could click it off and then the problem is with them too in case anybody is interesting in technology, this is what you need to listen to. Um, <laughs> what I'll say is that you have to charge them too, or like the batteries. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was another problem was I was like, all right, I have to like charge my batteries for a certain point. And again, that's like how old these were. And then, um, I don't know, I just couldn't like focus as well as I did. So it's I mean, not worth I, it. you know, just deal with the cord. Yeah, just do it with the cord. Like granted the show. I kind of like well. dealing with the cord, you know, exactly. It gives just, you something to do with your hands and you got to get tangled up in it. Make it a part of your bit, yeah. you know, who knows? <laughs> but uh, speaking of getting you, you know, you're doing all these shows. How did we move from small town, Missouri into St. Louis? What brought you here? Um, well, first I went away for eight years, uh, joined the military, mm -hmm. which is a good way to get out of small town, Missouri, yeah. join the military. Um, so I did that for eight years and then I wanted to come home, but uh, I ended up getting a job in the St. Louis area. And so I moved to St. Charles and here it is 10 plus years later, I've been in St. Charles mm -hmm. and um, it's pretty cool. There you go. I like it. Um, I guess like the other big question that, you know, everybody asks on every podcast, why comedy? What, what brought you to comedy? Why are you a comedian now? Yeah, I, it was just sort of by accident, I guess. Uh, I started late. I started, at, I was 35 the first time I did an open mic, which is really late to get started. But um, I, wanted, I, I wanted to write. I wanted to be a writer. And I've kind of always written stuff a little bit, but never could get any traction, you know? I just never could yeah. do it methodically, you know? Mm -hmm. um, a real writer writes all the time. A writer writes, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I had creative, you know, ability and creative passion, but I couldn't find an outlet for it. And then um, I went and saw a comedy show. I went and saw uh, Duncan Trussell, and it was incredible. Like I saw him at the Firebird and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, live comedy is the best. Like, why don't I do this all the time? Like I just felt such a strong attraction to it. I was like, I'm gonna go see comedy tonight. What's available? Open mic at the Funny Bone. That's the only comedy in town tonight. So I went just to watch. Mm -hmm. And I think that was when the thought first dawned on me. Like I could try this. I could get up there. And yeah. Like, and that's what I suggest to people who talk about trying their first open mic is go watch one or two first. You'll feel a lot better. Cause That's what I did. There's always yeah. going to be a handful of people who are so terrible that you'll <laughs> think, well, at least I, I could do that well. You know, like it's not the end of the world if you go up at an open mic and you fail. Yeah. And so once you realize that like a third or half the people at an open mic do fail, it's like, oh, the pressure is off. Nobody cares mm -hmm. about me. So went up. I did my first open mic at Helium at their bucket mic and I got laughs and I was hooked. Yeah. Just absolutely hooked. And I just been 
running nonstop ever since. What's been a, yeah. What's been your favorite experience regarding comedy? Like, was it producing a show? Was it being in a show? Did you work with somebody that you really liked or? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's been before, before the shutdown, I was just starting to do feature length sets, Mm -hmm. you know, like getting to feature for the first time at Funny Bone was a huge honor. Yeah. But like I featured for, um, Leanne uh, Morgan. Down at I Cape. love her. She's yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. I, I featured for her for four shows down at Cape, and that was actually the show where I had to be 100% clean. Yes. And um, it was just, I mean, there's just nothing better than like a whole like room full of people having a great time. Um, being up there for that amount of time, you know, 20, 25 minutes, mm-hmm. doing well the whole time. And then just coming to the realization is like, well, I can, like, if I can do this for 25 minutes comfortably, I can do it for an hour. It's just a matter of writing the material. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I just don't have, I, I do 25, 30 minutes and I'm out of stuff to say and I mm-hmm. can't improv another 30 minutes. So it's just a matter of building up that material. But like, I came to that realization this year. It's like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Like I'm completely comfortable whether I'm up there for five minutes or 20 or 30. I'm totally comfortable the whole time. It's just a matter of having more material. Yeah. You know, a headliner just has an hour and a half of material. So if you ask them to do an hour, no problem. Mm-hmm. So... I like that. No, I think that's a great approach to it too. Like I feel, I mean, we, we've talked about this a bunch because we have a lot of comedians on here, but I feel like when you first start out, there are some people who think they have to have an hour's worth of material right away. So yeah. when you give like a five minute set to them or like three minutes, they're like, wait, what? Like, and I, uh, I always kind of, not that I've been, you know, an experienced person so far, but what I always say to people is that like less is more. So when you start kind of like working on stuff, right. focus on a that really good bit. four minutes is better than a crappy 10. Exactly. Like exactly. Get a really good four together and then you can do guest spots on shows mm-hmm. and then work on getting that good 10 and then you can be a host. You know, you could, do host, you could host a show of seven minutes. Yeah. As long as whoever's putting the show together is okay with that. Oh, but yeah. a really good seven Seven minutes is enjoyable. A crummy 10 minutes is mm-hmm. excruciating. Oh, know? yeah. No, I just feel like, especially if, like, you you feel like you ended on something good, yep. you should just end it. Like, That's you know, true. like, I, I don't know. I, when I was hosting for Erica Rhodes at Helium, I had 10 minutes. And Ryan at the time was like, yeah, you can do, like, 8 to 10. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Like, it's no big deal. But then I was, like, 8.39, and I could, like, feel it, and I was like, all right. And you have that moment, right, where you're like, well, should I keep going? Should I not? And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to stop because this ended yeah. strong, and this isn't about me because I'm the host. So, like, I right. I was just like, you yourself. know what? Yeah, exactly. And it was, you know, it was... It was a good, I was telling, I was telling Jimmy, I was like, I felt like it was a good decision. I felt strong when I did it. So I don't know. I just, I agree with you. I feel like just kind of when you end it on a good note, even if it's less, it's, it's good to go. So, right. um, what I'll ask you too is what has the, um, what kind of differences have you felt between like producing a show versus performance? Have you felt, I guess like sometimes, you know, as comedians, you do kind of talk about like you know, sometimes comedians are like, all right, I'm doing a show. I'm doing all of this. What if I started producing something? Yeah. And, yeah. I, I guess, I mean, I haven't produced a show up until now mm-hmm. just because I, I just, my focus is all on being a performer. Sure. I just want to perform. Yeah. Um, I started doing this parrot show and it's been fun. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how little work it is. Yeah. It's just nothing. I mean, all I do is book people. Most of them ask me, you know, um, and I say, okay, you can do this date and you do this so much time. And I send out a group email 
And then we show up, they have the mic, they have the PA, they have the lights, they have mm -hmm. the audience. We perform and then we go home. Um, the part I don't like about it is, is all I'm thinking about is the show. And then at the last minute, I'm like, oh crap, I got to go up there and do jokes. I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Whereas normally I like to just, you know, it's all about me and my jokes and my five minutes or my 20 minutes or whatever I'm doing. I like having that focus as a performer and letting Molly or whoever else run the show. Yeah. I like that. So I, I don't have a lot of aspirations to like get into doing shows. Although in this current climate or the future climate, whatever it may be, if you want to get on stage, you might have to do your own show because there's just none available otherwise. Yeah. So maybe I will get more into, I've started already start thinking like, where can I do an outdoor show? Mm -hmm. You know, where can I do, where, where is there a Parrots that has a patio that we could do mm -hmm. an outdoor type thing? But then it's like, you know, TikTok, cold weather's coming. Yeah. That's and the other thing. Cold and flu season with it. Of course. <laughs> doom and gloom, but I, I don't know. That's all right. I mean, I was about to say, like, how do you kind of feel about comedy during, I mean, we talk about this a lot too on other episodes as well, but what's kind of your opinion on comedy and the pandemic and like, how do you, yeah, I mean, I know that's kind of a vague question, but where do you see it? And I guess in your opinion, where do you see it going from here? At first I was really optimistic, like, and maybe it's just wishful thinking. I just thought this is going to pass quickly. It's mm -hmm. not going to be as bad as anyone says. Like almost everything, it's hyped, hyper negative, and it's mm -hmm. never going to be that bad. Yeah. Um, but now it's looking like, oh boy, we could have a, another shutdown or it could just keep going. It could right. go months and months and months. And it's like, how long can these comedy clubs hold on without making revenue? I feel like a lot of them are going to start shutting down soon. Um, so it's, it's looking dire. Um, it can't last forever and eventually it'll come back. So it, it, it might be, I don't know. Yeah. It might be like, this might be like an event that kills off tons of live comedy and then it has comes back gradually. It's going to change it for sure. More people are doing more things online. Mm -hmm. um, I do know that like live comedy, like what we call stand-up comedy, doesn't really work online. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it just doesn't. Without that... Yeah. Live audience there giving the laughs. It just feels weird. It's I I agree and I have mixed It's not much fun to watch it's either. It's just like I have yeah, exactly. Like I have mixed like, you know, we were in some I I tried some of those virtual open mics in the beginning and I feel like this is kind of like a medium thing. Like for this, we've got the screen, we've got our mics, we've got going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot better than like me in my basement and you in your basement. Yeah. There's that disconnect there, like the human you know that live thing is the is the whole is the thing. Yeah, that's what makes live comedy cool is that it's live. Exactly. Like even my favorite comics, when I watch their special on Netflix, I don't laugh near as hard as I do in person. Yes, I can almost not laugh at all for some reason. It's just not something about it isn't as good. Yeah, or even as funny. Oh, trust me. I again, I was a theater major, so anything like that, right. and that's something that we go through too in the theater community is like. So obviously you can go to the movies now and like, you know, obviously because of COVID, you can stream Hamilton on Disney Plus, which I'm, I'm not saying, you know, not everybody can go to Hamilton. So that's also a whole other conversation. But um, people all the time are like, what's going to happen with live theater? Like, where is it going to lead from there? Right. And it, the same thing comes up with comedy because when we have comedians on, it's been interesting to have these conversations because normally I would be sitting here and be like, Will, tell us about like a show you got. Oh, you're at the Funny Bone. You're hosting for so-and-so. Are you with Leanne Morgan? But yeah. then it's like, well, how do we kind of transfer as a podcast interviewer and then an interviewee talking about being a comedian in this time. And like, you just have to be kind of honest. Like there are some dire 
thoughts that are happening, but we do have, you know, like you're producing an independent show, um, Backdoor Comedy Events, which is a local club here in O'Fallon, Missouri. Yeah. I will be featuring at the end of the month, shameless plug for me. Uh, but why I say that is that, um, you know, we do have like, you know, people who are trying to keep certain things open and then Helium just opened back up. And I was super impressed with their layout about social distancing because yeah. everybody was super far apart, which Seems was great. a pretty good plan there. Yeah. I, I mean, so I really wanted to see Tony Roberts and, mm -hmm. you know, Tommy was hosting and Tina, who are other local comedians here, was featuring. And I I was a little hesitant at first just because it's a weird um, it's a weird time to be like, because, you know, you've been locked up for so long. So you're like, The first couple trips out are really yeah. weird. And it's weird to me that mm -hmm. there are still people who are st stay still at home. You know? Yeah. Like, I've, I've been out for months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Helium was great. So shout out to them. They did a great job at social distancing. It's kind of so. weird. You're like, you'll be out somewhere at, a, at a, a show or something and like someone will come in and they're like looking around. They're like, you, you just got out, huh? This is your first time out. It's like, relax. <laughs> you know what I mean? Relax, man. Uh, but yeah, people, what, three, four months of being home alone and they're mm -hmm. just freaked out about, I don't know. I, I feel like it could be a long time before people are eager to like cram into... Uh, comedy club. Oh, totally. It may be a really long time. So like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Things could be different for a while. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. It might be 10 years before people like are just completely forgot about any sort of virus. If there's not just another one after this, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I know, know, right? Well, that's what, Scott, that's what kind of scares me is, well, because I was kind of like you where at first I was like, oh, you know, like we're going to get through this. We're going to be fine. Like I was telling um, one of my friends the other day, I was like, oh yeah, I was like, oh, you know, I was motivated. I was doing live streams. I was like, this is just going to be. And then there came a point where it just kind of sits in and you're like, oh, this could be a minute. Right. This isn't going to be two months. Yeah, exactly. Months. This is going to be, it's going to be, a who knows? And out the other side, everything we know is going to be different. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Know. So who knows? But uh, have you been, when you were in quarantine, did you feel like you got a lot of writing done or did you pick something new or were you just kind of coasting? Yeah. <laughs> I try and write, but um, I realized that like, you would think, okay, you're home more with nothing to do, you can get a lot of writing done. I guess I realized how much doing open mics is part of the writing process. Yeah, right. Like I got to come up with an idea and then like, I'm like, oh, that's a funny idea. And then I'll think of a line. I'm like, oh, I got it. Okay. That's a, now that's a joke. Mm -hmm. I can do that tonight on stage. Yeah. And I'll go do, do it that night and it'll get a laugh. And mm -hmm. then I'm like excited about it. Ah, I got a thing. And then like the next day I'll be vacuuming the floor and oh, a new line will come to me. Oh no. And then the next thing you know, oh, I'll try that one tonight. But like going up and trying it is such a part of the process. It's mm -hmm. like writing comedy is different than writing nonfiction or fiction or whatever. I think it's a little bit different. I think the, the audience's reaction is a big part of even the writing process, at mm -hmm. least for me. So I got to figure out how to, I got to figure out, I mean, I can't use that as an excuse. I got to figure out how to write without the live feedback. Oh, no. And I feel like that's something that as comedians, we're all going through. Because yeah. sometimes, like, I mean, I did this anyway before we had, a, like, before everything shut down. 
but I've definitely been talking to the walls more. Like, and it, it's hard though, because you'll be talking to the walls and then your transition was, all right, the walls can't respond, but the people can, right? Yeah. So now it's just like, all right, so where do we go from here? And like, you can run things by people, which is great too. You can talk to like somebody else. Like sometimes I'll run some stuff by Jimmy and be like, what do you think of this? But at the end of the day, I totally get what you're saying. That open mic process is so valuable. So I think that's the There's question. a lot of times that mm -hmm. I write lines on stage. Yeah, too. yeah. Like a lot of my best lines I thought of in the moment on mm -hmm. stage. That's, exactly. That's probably the best thing that happens in comedy. Mm -hmm. You asked me earlier, what's my favorite thing? Yeah. It's when I think of a new line on stage and it like kills. Yeah. Because somehow the audience knows that that you just thought of that or they don't know that you just thought of that but it's they it's funnier to them you know what i mean yeah like when you improv something it's funnier than when you've said something rehearsed it and then said it as if you just thought of it right which is all stand-up comedy is basically yes when you actually think of something funny in the moment and say it and they like they just laugh so hard and it's like oh shit yes i got a new part for that now awesome you know <laughs> I or, agree. or more often than that, it's like, I'm going to stop saying that part. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've said that part 28 times now. It never gets a laugh. It's time to let it go. Yes. That happens way more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. And that's like, uh, well, that's also too, we'll talk about kind of like the art of bombing. Like uh, I always feel not that, you know, well, you know what? I'll just say this. Sometimes you bomb and you do learn something, right? Was there ever an experience where that happened to you and you felt like that was a turning point? Because sometimes that happens to me where I'm like, oh, this is definitely a catalyst or a, yeah. something that could make something better, I guess. So before I did my show at Parrots, Andy Hamilton did an open mic there. Yes, he did. And it was mm -hmm. great. I, I got up every Wednesday for my first year at Parrots. Gotcha. And it was like my home uh, club, you know? Like yeah. Parrots is where I started comedy. And so... Um, I remember going up one night and I'm, I start doing a thing and they like me and they're laughing and then I start doing a thing and it just bombs. I'm like in the middle of this thing and it's just bombing harder and harder and harder. And it was like the first time really that I've bombed, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, this sucks. I don't like the way this feels. And then I just, uh, I just like addressed it and started ad-libbing Yeah. and they started cracking up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, like I was so, I was like, I can always do that. Like I can always just... Think of some shit in the moment to say, now I was wrong. I can't always think of shit in the moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but usually I can think of something in the moment. Sure. I don't know. It was like a huge confidence booster to me. Like, oh, Obama's not that bad. Like, yeah. I, got him, I got him back. It's mm -hmm. not the end of the world. Yeah. I feel like exactly like it's going to happen, you know, and so you just either have to embrace it. And like uh, we talked about this with Max Price when he was on another local comedian here, you know, you just kind of have to embrace it and turn it into something, you know, yeah. you could run in the other direction, but why not make it something different? Um, what I'll ask you too, is we did talk about kind of like club shows and bar shows. Personally, I like both just because I want an, ex I feel like I'm definitely one of those people that just wants to experience it all. Yeah. Um, I definitely though, have had people approach me and they're like, oh, like, I don't know if I would like fit in at a comedy club, which I think is a really weird thing to say. Cause like as an audience member? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's so, so I did a That's show strange. at a bar once. and They turn the lights off. Like. Yeah, but you don't, you're not seen. So I don't understand. <laughs> you have this, a minimum of two drinks. You put on a wicked buzz and they turn the lights off. Yeah. That's fine. See, that's what I'm saying. Wow. I definitely got my hair soaked today, but that's fine. Anyway, <laughs> I got stuck in the rain before this, so it's all right. Um, 
But that's what I was saying to him was I was like, oh my God, this is, it's the same thing when people are like, oh, I don't know if I could go see live theater because like maybe there's a certain class system or something to it. I'm like, come to a comedy club. Everybody goes. Like, it's so fun. It's just like what Will talked about. And then on the other hand, sometimes I'll have people who are interested in doing comedy not everybody, but it was an interesting interaction to have with somebody was they were like, again, interested in doing comedy and they see Comedy Central, right? And you see all the lights and the cameras and yeah. Jim Gaffigan has been doing this for years, exactly. So they're like, oh, so when they're asked to do a show at a bar, they're like, what? This isn't going to be like Comedy Central. I'm, I'm very confused. Right. Um, I would just kind of see Yeah, you're like, going to do comedy five times and the fifth time you're going to get a special on Comedy Central. Exactly. You do an hour. <laughs> <laughs> gonna just tour, you're going to play the steeple theater when you come. I mean, some people are just nuts. Yeah. Oh, you know totally. I mean? Exactly. I was going to say, how do you, do you feel like there's a difference in between how they're run or just like the aesthetic of it? How do you feel about a club show versus a bar show? Um, I love performing in clubs. It's the best because everyone is facing the stage and they came there to see comedy. Totally. And so it's just awesome. Like mm-hmm. you just walk up, you say your joke and they laugh because they came to laugh. Yeah. Um, bar shows, there's a whole spectrum of what bar shows can be like. I feel like my parrot show is on the good end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. For the most part, they'll be quiet, they'll pay attention and they'll laugh. Sometimes at a bar show, you just sort of, you feel like you're just talking to a bar full of people who aren't paying attention. And that's the worst. Like not paying attention is the worst. Mm -hmm. Like being hostile or bombing, that's fine. But like not paying attention is worse. So, and then there's everything in between. Um, But I like bar shows because they make me better. Yes. You have to work. Do you have to work to get their attention? You have to work to hold their attention. You have to say better jokes. You know what I mean? Like I'm just hearing all this fat in my jokes. I'm like, I got to trim all this out because there's too many words without punchlines. Like bars need punchline, punchline, punchline. You got to be quick. You got to like, and so then I go do a club show and it's like, this is easy. Because I built all that muscle up at the bar show. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree so. more. I feel like, exactly, I was going to say, it feels like it tones you out, basically. Yeah. Like, And I feel like you definitely appreciate the growth that you have coming from bar shows. For so sure. that's, I mean, that's just my personal opinion, but I, I completely agree people with you. People just chatting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the hardest thing is people talking. But the best is when you get them to turn around. You get them to turn around and pay mm-hmm. attention. That's what I said. Like, if you can get them to pay attention, oh, man, it's going to be easy, easy. When, you get, when people show up to see you. Exactly. I see. I totally agree. Um, What I'll ask you too is, was, is there anybody, I guess, like comedy wise that you admire or somebody who you consider maybe a mentor? It could be somebody you've watched live or just somebody in our community. Um, Shout out. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many. And like, it's a weird thing. Like um, there's no one who I see and I'm like, I'm going to no. Well, there's everyone that I see and I think like, I want to emulate that. Like I want to do comedy like that. Yeah. And then the next night I see someone of completely different style and I'm like, nope, I'm going to emulate that. You know what I mean? And yes. so like, um, like hanging around the funny bone, I got to see Greg Warren a lot, mm-hmm. you know? And like, he's like, to me, he's like top notch, you know? He's and, fantastic. And, um, mm-hmm. And I, every time I'd see him, I'm like, I, I want to do comedy like that, you know? And it's like, no, that's not what I sound like. I, that's not who I am. And then I would see someone who's completely the opposite of Greg, like uh, like a John Morgan is another guy who came through that I'm just like, wow, I'm blown away. Totally different style. And I'm like, that's what I want to emulate. And it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not John Morgan. So I don't know. I just feel like you just soak up as many of those as you can and try and let 
whoever you is, come out. Sure. And and try and sound like you. But um, you know, I've got I've got to work with some really great comics like Joe Mackey. I got to um, mm-hmm. feature for Joe Mackey. He's a guy who I think is one of the funniest guys alive. And I there's no way I could like use his style. You know what I mean? Like his style is so far away from what I do. There's no way. Yeah. But and yet I watch him and I'm like, I just want to be that. Yeah. I just want to exactly. be Joe Mackey. <laughs> like, God, why can't I just think of jokes that brilliant? You know, mm-hmm. just snap them off. Just stands up there, just one joke after another after another. You know, doesn't have to move. Just talks into the microphone, and the words are so funny that I just lose my shit in the back of the room. Oh, totally, absolutely. And then I see other comics like, uh, like I said, John Morgan. He's the opposite. He's very theatrical, demonstrative. Sure. He moves. He uses the whole stage. He does acts out, act outs. He does voices. Um, and I think, no, that's what I want to do. Yes, that's what I want to do. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think Still that's relatable. It out. Right. That's what I was say. Just always are still figuring it out. That that was my next question was, you know, we talk about like it's comics, like finding your voice and finding your truth. Do you kind of, I mean, I guess you answered my question. It was like, you're still trying to figure out, but do you have like a certain, is this going to sound so cliche, but like, do you have a certain process or something when you go to write something? Because I, I can kind of relate to you in the factory. You're like, oh, I'm going to vacuum. And then all of a sudden something comes to mind. I'm going to try that now. But yeah. um, how do you, I guess, you know, we'll narrow this question down a little bit better. <laughs> if you uh, have, has there been kind of a growth and change you feel like in your voice from day one to comedy until now? Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I think so. Um, <laughs> You're like, well, I hope so. <laughs> well, and I, I still am doing stuff that's like, I wrote it a couple, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to rotate that out of the set. Yes. It doesn't sound like me anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I it's agree. like I would I would love to get to a point where I write a new hour, and it's all the same voice. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. it's all sort of tied together. It's all one thing. It's like this. I I go up and I do twenty twenty five minutes now, and it's like I th- I make it flow pretty well. I think, but it's like if I could go through that. I could go through and point. I'd be like, well, I wrote that bit when I was in a really bad mood. Sure. And like, I, uh-huh. you know, like it was before I got married to my wife and we were broken up and I was in a dark place and I wrote that joke and that's why it's so mean. And then the next joke I do is when I'd been married, you know, and everything in my life was awesome. And it's yeah. like, you could be in the audience member like, well, who's this guy talking? Well, it's like, it's not one guy. It's like 10 <laughs> guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's 10 different Will O'Donnells wrote this set and you're going to see 10 of them and they're all fictional and they're all real I don't know yeah I actually that is the best way I've heard that phrase because it's just like looking not that I have a bunch of these anymore but it's just like when you look through a diary and you're like oh my god that was a phase that you know me being Molly I I definitely kept a few of those but why I bring this up is just like I think of like the diary reference like the notebooks that you keep because I look back at some of my old material and I go oh I thought this was funny no, like I don't, like I, especially I found um, a recording of when I did comedy for the very first time and I cringe just listening to it. Like I just, I'm like, oh, like I'm sure oh, there's somewhere yeah. on YouTube where it's there. Please don't look it up. But if mm. you do, <laughs> like, you'll know I felt. But um, that's why I was wondering, because I feel like you're, because in the moment, right, you feel like this is so good. And then you look back on it later on. You're like, oh, but I feel like that's, that's a weird that you thing. Grew. Yeah, that's a weird thing about comedy is mm-hmm. like um, in the moment or at the time you think this is funny and you mm-hmm. go up and you do it and it works. 
like the audience thinks it's funny too, or at least a little bit. And then you look back on it later and you're like, oh, that was terrible. I'm so embarrassed. Why did I say that? But it's like, you couldn't know then or you wouldn't go up and do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was the best joke you had at the time and you had to just go up and rock it with tons of confidence. Yeah. If you would have known how bad it was, you'd have been like, I'm not going up there and saying that shit. Totally. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's just like ignorance is part of the process. Like ignorance of how not very good you are is part of the process. (laughs) Because confidence matters. I mean, and it's true in comedy. It's true in life, right? Confidence is like... 85% 85% of being successful. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so weird. It's so weird. But confident people, even if you know they're full of shit, they're still attractive. Right. Because you know they're selling mean? it. Yeah. Right. It's just like, all right, man. I'll, yeah, I'll mortgage my house to buy that RV from you <laughs> at 38%. You seem like you sound, you sound really confident. That's a good idea. I'm going to do that. It's that it's true. It's called good sales for sure. <laughs> so definitely doing that now in my new job. Um, what I'll ask you to, I know this is probably again, kind of a cliche question, but if you had, speaking of growth, we always kind of ask comedians and different entertainers that come on here. If you had one piece of advice, which you've been great about giving a bunch, which is awesome. But if there's like one piece of advice that you could pass on to people who either are in comedy or are interested in doing it, what would that be? I mean... There's no like tricks or secrets to it. It's just a matter of doing it a lot. Yeah. You know, like we all want to be big stars and we all want to be famous and and everything. But it's like at the end of the day, you've got to practice your violin. Yeah. If you want to be a good violin player and like you got to put in thousands of hours of practice and still no one's going to care, you know, and like you got to come to grips with that reality and if you're still like, I still want to master the violin, then do it, you know? And then um, practical, practically speaking, uh, like open micers, just like certain things that they do. Like I hate when people talk about, like don't talk about poop or bodily fluids. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> you know? It's so true though. It's like that's <laughs> never going to be like, why would you write on that? No one, the audience goes, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Right. <laughs> Make them make any sound except, ugh, you know? Right, so, like, just don't write about that. Um, and then, like, uh, like don't – they open micers get too dark. They, like, they'll talk about killing themselves too much. Yeah. And it weirds the audience out, you mm-hmm. know? It's like a lot of comics go and be like, so I was thinking about killing myself. And it's like, hey, buddy, that's not what we're here to do. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. tell your therapist about that. We need you to tell jokes, you know? Yes. Um, and then uh, – I can't. I have. I have a list written down somewhere of like stuff that I've open micers do that pisses me off. <laughs> I'm sure there's a. Fl- I, I, I've talked about this too. Where I remember the one of the first nights I was ever at the Funny Bone, I went after two people who I haven't seen since, and I, I think it was actually Andy Hamilton that was hosting. Andy's just making a bunch of appearance on this episode, but the one guy before me talked about his broken penis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which like I don't know maybe it could have been funny but it was just done super awkwardly and again it's an open mic but and then all he did was and this is another thing too and he was just like my broken penis and he goes also all my friends are over here like if your whole set is just about you addressing Ooh. your friends like that's great that they showed up but at the same time it's not a set but there was that and then there was another guy that was saying um 
he was like, first of all, when you're having sex, like, don't tell me how to do it or something. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, so I had to go after them. And I remember I like, somehow, I wish I remembered my big opener, but I just remember I kind of, in the moment I knew, it's just like what we talked about, address it, address it, address it. Uh-huh. it because it was so silent, the first few people before me, I was like, all right, I'm going to have to just like open this up with the 10 people that were there that evening. And so when you did, it was fine. But yeah, if your friends don't be afraid up, to make fun of those two guys either. Yeah. <laughs> like if you don't want to be made fun of, don't bomb. You right. Know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what I did. That's, I, I, I made, I mean, as nice as I am, I made fun of them and it was, it smoothed over. And then one of them actually came up to me, not that I'm doing like a public service to anybody, but he was like, hey, thank you for mentioning that. That probably was like a little too much. And I, I probably won't do it again after that. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm new to the game too. So, but that's what's kind of the beauty about comedy is we do as comedians, that's kind of a way of sharing love as well is like making fun of other people. There's so. nothing worse though <laughs> than like, uh, that was the other thing too, is being too dirty. Like, when someone goes up at an open mic or a show and they're bombing, it's mm-hmm. fine. They're bombing. The audience is like, well, this isn't funny. And they start to get bored. But when the, when the comic is bombing and it's filthy, it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's weird. Yeah. Because now there's happens. just a guy on stage <laughs> saying weird, inappropriate, sexual shit. That's what happens. And the audience gets weirded out <laughs> and it can stink up the whole show. And yeah. Like, uh, so... Uh, that's that's other piece of advice for new comics is like don't lean too hard on the dirty because mm-hmm. when you bomb you're gonna bomb hard yeah. and they're gonna hate you yeah and the comics who come on the show after you are gonna hate you so like, <laughs> bomb with clean stuff and yeah and at least you know they don't you don't stink up the whole show and make people feel like they've been violated somehow just you know? give the room a good vibe that's all we yeah, ask maybe, a, <laughs> maybe if you're a creepo just don't do that anymore don't be a creepo. <laughs> And don't write about it and talk about it publicly or everyone's going to know you're a creepo. This is actually like pretty legitimate advice. So I hope that uh, people rewind the clip, rewatch it again (laughs) that way. But I- So many like creepos reveal themselves at open mics. I know. Like one of the things I love about open mics, I sort of have a love-hate relationship with. I mean, it sucks watching people be bad at comedy, Mm -hmm. but when they're awesomely bad, when like it's a spectacle how bad they are, Part of me loves that more than I love anything else. Like, it's the uncomfortableness of the room. Like, you get to see this person, like, sort of have a psychological meltdown behind their eyeballs Uh and try and play it off like they're not. It's really something. You don't see it anywhere else. It doesn't occur anywhere else other than a comedy open mic. Yeah. It's really something to see. It, it's just because I'm it's addicted such a, to it. I, oh, like, but, <laughs> I like it almost as much as I like seeing well-crafted comedy. No, I have some friends too. And they'll be like, do you remember this person that did this? And then this person. And I'm like, but what about like the guy that was super good that was just up there? And they're right. like, oh, well, like he was fine too. But uh, like that guy, I yeah. mean, let me tell you why. <laughs> audience is like, remember that guy that came out with the apparatus on his forehead? They'll never forget that guy. Oh, I'll never forget him because he wanted to be on the podcast. So that's of another course. story for another time. So but, is uh, when you run a podcast, is it like running a comedy show where people are just hitting you up to be on it? Oh, all the time. So yeah. I here's the thing. Like you saw, I shared that post. And I, I share the post too just to be like, hey, like, come on, like, come talk to me. Like I, anybody that is a, a great person and is, you know, giving back to their community and contributing to their artistic or entertainment scene, I'm, I'm always open to it. But yeah, you'll have people on occasion 
who it's your podcast, but they want to run the show. So they're like, have you seen me on a podcast? Because this is how I'm going to talk. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you're never being scheduled. (laughs) If you have to reach out to people and ask to be on their podcast, it's probably a bad sign. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the people you want to have on, you're going to ask them to be on. And they're going to be like, well, maybe I can do it if I'm busy. You know what I mean? If I'm hitting you up, that's a bad sign. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, I have good comics hit me up to be on my show, but I have a lot of people hit me up and I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I, that's like one decent minute first and we'll talk. Right. Well, that, that's the other thing is that, you know, I, I don't mind when people email because they're like, oh, I run a company and I'm like, oh, perfect. And they send me a website, Twitter, Instagram. And that's so great. Like have a website, like even if it's just a simple WordPress, as long as I have somewhere that I can just click, that's all I, I really need. But when you start like, and I hate to be like, you can tell, like you can tell when somebody doesn't have their shit together and, you know, you know how I am. I, I do feel bad being like, oh, you know, and maybe that's like a side of me because Jimmy's always like, oh, Molly, <laughs> like you're always like. You've got to develop the killer inside, Molly. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, well, it's there. That's what I told Chris the other day. I was like, it's there, but I think I save it for, um, I guess when like it really, like if you ever see me angry, you'll know that like some, some shit just really hit I down, feel you so. though. It's hard to tell people. Yeah. No, you, feel, <laughs> you don't want to be bad. Me, you know, make people feel bad. Right. But um, you got to tell people no. Develop the killer inside. I yeah. like that. <laughs> Hashtag develop the killer inside. You have to. It's going to go for stage, podcast bookings, and I don't know, possibly making ruthless. bread. Right. You need a ruthless, uh, severe person inside. You have to. I'm ready. I'm ready to be ruthless. <laughs> Speaking of ruthless, before we head out, so I asked Will to give me some kind of like facts about him. And if you follow us, remember to casually follow and uh, subscribe to Casually Molly. And we are available on Facebook, Instagram, audio, YouTube, you name it, you're probably going to find us. But uh, one of the facts that you gave me was that you appreciate the smell of old basements. (laughs) I love it. Really? Think about what an old, like an old musty basement. You know, people say musty. That, that's mm. a, like a, a, I love that smell. That's a fancy term, musty. I love that smell. <laughs> like, an, you know, like, um, um, not, not like there's mold growing down there, but just like a basement. That's gotcha. a great smell. I love it. I see. I, I feel, okay. So this is like, here I am being like, oh, musty, a musty basement. But I think that's kind of how I feel about attics. Like I, oh. yeah. So like you're at like the bottom of the house and I'm like, Ooh, I wonder. Cause my, in my, where I grew up, we had an attic and I remember like climbing up there and my mom's like, just be careful. Like, don't, it smells don't. like History. insulation and, yeah. and like, <laughs> It's so hot, though. The problem with attics is they're 100 million degrees. I guess they, you, it was. It, but we stored some stuff up there, so I think it was more for like, oh, I wonder. Oh, yeah. I Like, I would find old pictures of my mom and my dad or I, like, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm hit. I would do that. My mom would hide all that stuff up there. I would go through there and dig through the, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I like the smell of basements. I guess same thing. Like, you could dig around down there and find weird stuff. My grandpa had one of those old houses. I mean, you know, any house older than 100 years old has got the stone, stacked up stones yeah. for a foundation. Mm-hmm. Those smell the best. Yes. And he had like tool benches down there and like old cigar boxes full of tools and just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, that brings back that smell. Like that nostalgia. Uh-huh. Exactly. Because I had, oh my God, it's so funny. We had like tools and whatnot. And then, um, I don't know, it's just like an interesting you remember the cigars. That was the thing. My dad was a big cigar smoker before uh-huh. uh, 
before he got older and, you know, things happened. But that's interesting. I Every time I smell a cigar, I totally think of, like, the attic or the house. I just think of my I dad. I like the smell of cigarettes sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes. Just because it makes me think of my dad. Yeah. Like, I hate... I don't like being in a smoky room or something. Yeah, like, no, I same. Hate, mm-hmm. I hate indoor smoking. It's like... I did a show down in Farmington and walked in and it was like, oh, yeah, indoor smoking. Yeah. You know? I forgot. I'm a, but, um... But sometimes when I smell a cigarette off in the distance, it just takes, I, makes me think of my dad. I'm like, ah, I like that smell. Yeah. I like cigarettes 50 yards away. That's yeah, <laughs> 50 yards away. That's, I agree. <laughs> so I like forgot about indoor smoking. It's been such a thing for so long Every without once in a while it. I'll do a rural show mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Every single person in this bar is smoking. Yeah. And it's like you get, um, you get smoke on your clothes like in a way that you don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's different if you hang out outside in the smoke pit. You get a little bit of smoke and, totally. oh, my hair smells a little like smoke. You forgot what indoor smoking is like. Uh-huh. Like it's intense, It man. definitely is for it's sure. It's awful. And it takes me like three days of showering before like I stop smelling smoke. Yeah. Like one shower, one shampoo doesn't do it. No, it takes three I, or four yeah. cycles to wash it out. It's <laughs> nasty. Exactly. I when I used to work at the hotel, I had that. They were like some you could tell the generational gap mm-hmm. because it would be like, "Do you have non-smoking and smoking rooms?" And I was like, "Hold on." I was like, "This is." I just remember being at this place called the Red Squirrel, which was like this big, like just kind of like one of those old school diner esque, like with the booths and everything. And there was the non-smoking side, and then there was the smoking. And like sometimes my parents didn't smoke, but we sometimes like if there was an availability in the non-smoking, we would just sit in the smoking. But it was crazy how you were separated like that. Yeah, every yeah. place, like even Hardee's and McDonald's, have yes. the smoking and the non-smoking section, and they would be divided by like a half wall. Yeah. Just like, a half wall. Just a half wall. <laughs> and you just had to smell everyone's smoke no matter where you sat. So it didn't even make a difference. Like crazy. you're like, oh, because I remember we were, again, at the Red Squirrel. You had a table here. And then the person who was smoking was right next to us. So it didn't really make a difference. So that's a little history lesson. There used to be, for People those of listening you. listening <laughs> who are like 28 and under, like have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, God, no. <laughs> memories, you know? Yeah. That is, oh my gosh. I can't, yeah, I, I completely remember that. But that's uh, that's that's where we're at. So, Will O'Donnell, basement kind of guy. I'm an <laughs> addict kind of girl. Uh, we're old enough to know what non-smoking and smoking would be in an establishment. And uh, for any open micers, you've got some great advice from Will. Don't write about poop. <laughs> Just gross. don't write about poop. That's all we ask. But uh, Will, it was a pleasure, obviously, chatting with you. Uh, where's a good place? Like, do you have any social media or anything we can find you on? Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Will O'Donnell. I think I'm going to change it to Will O'Donnell Comedy or something. Yeah. So people can find me. Because mm-hmm. um, there's like 10 million Will O'Donnells. But uh, on Instagram, I'm Willie, <laughs> I'm Willie Thrilly Comedy. He is. <laughs> and, uh, Willie Thrilly. I mean, I just came up with that because it's silly. Yeah. And, and I thought, actually, it's sort of like people will remember that. I can mm-hmm. say that at the end of a show. Willie Thrilly Comedy. And they'd be like, oh, is that guy's name? Oh, yeah, Willie Thrilly. Yeah, I like that. So look me up at Willie Thrilly. And uh, I'm on Twitter, but it's like a fake account. And <laughs> I don't want anyone to know who I am, but I'm awesome on there. <laughs> Sounds good. It's my me. best platform, but you can't find me. It's all right. So sorry. Willie Thrilly Comedy on Instagram. Well, it's all right. So look up the IG for sure. Um, just don't slide in his DMs unless it's, I guess, super important. <laughs> but, uh, Will, what are you going to casually do now? Um, I guess I'm going to go home and, um, 
Get ready for the open mic tomorrow at Backdoor Comedy and Events. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, every Thursday at Backdoor Comedy in O'Fallon, they do have an open mic. That's $5. Uh, so make sure that you go and check that out for sure. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I will be featuring for Rena Com, headliner at the end of the month. And Andy Hamilton, who had 50 different shout outs during this episode, <laughs> he will be... Uh, Hosting, but will I really? I appreciate you again coming to sit down with me. And it's my pleasure. Thanks for it's good time. Oh, thanks well, for thanks. having me on. Yeah, of course. And uh, again, every Sunday we release an episode. So thank you. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday.